Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Happy, happy Friday, everybody. TGIF, this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And thanks for dropping by and tuning in or uh, downloading or however you're listening to this. Uh, glad to have you along. And uh, pardon me, I got a little uh, little thing in my throat here. I'll try to get rid of that. But uh, anyways, forging on here, uh, lots to look at uh, today as we move into the weekend, even though it seems like we just had the weekend with the 4th of July. I know nobody's complaining about that. Um, not even me. But uh, lots to look at. Uh, a big list of two-star pitchers to consider. A lot of ones I'm really interested in and who are available in quite a few of my leagues, uh, so maybe in some of yours as well. And also some two-star pitchers that I think people may be interested in that I personally don't think they should be interested in. So well, uh, we got that to break down. We've got uh, kind of a weird schedule next week, too, in that we've got a whole bunch of teams playing eight games and even more playing seven games. But we have a few also playing five games, so some uh, things to look at there with the schedule. Uh, you came through big time with some Twitter questions for the show, so I will get to those before the end. And thank you for sending them. And uh, even though it was kind of a light schedule yesterday, a lot of interesting performances to break down as well. Uh, so all of that coming up, but as always, I'm going to start with the latest news and uh, probably the biggest story so far this morning, uh, now that's afternoon here, uh, on Friday, uh, the uh, Yankees are interested, along with several other teams, in getting Mike Moustakis and getting Mike Moustakis as a first baseman. Uh, that report coming from MLB.com. So uh, that's a pretty interesting development uh, in a whole bunch of ways. Uh, I think probably, you know, most notably that if you're, well, for most notably that <laughs> if you're a Mike Moustakis owner, that that's uh, a great change of venue for him. Uh, I think talked about him on the show pretty recently and uh, the crazy home road splits that he's had in terms of home runs over the course of his career. So Kauffman Stadium has been a real damper. Uh, Moustakis' power, that certainly would be something that could likely be corrected uh, by Yankee Stadium. And uh, so that's, a, that's an option. And then, you know, also that uh, Yankees clearly not having, I guess, a lot of patience or a lot of faith in Greg Bird, uh, the, that they're looking at Moustakis as a potential first base option. And clearly the Yankees have prospects to deal. So it uh, wouldn't be too surprising to see that go down. But at this point, just a possibility. And again, other teams have an interest in Moustakis. And again, other teams have an interest in Moustakis as a first baseman even. Uh, which is usually it's the, like the easiest position to fill, but uh, got a uh, one of the Twitter questions, which I don't know if it was really a, a, a question, but I'm going to say it's a Twitter question from Craig in Chicago. Hey there, Craig. Hope you're listening. 
uh, about the first base pool this year. So I did a quick little bit of research, and uh, we'll talk about how much worse the first base pool really is this year. Uh, but we'll do that a little bit later on. Uh, in other news, according to 670 The Score, Theo Epstein says that Chris Bryant felt really good after hitting in the cage earlier today. Uh, and that he may go on a rehab assignment. And, of course, Bryant uh, dealing with a shoulder issue. So his return does not appear to be imminent since they're talking about a possible rehab assignment. But uh, that's obviously the one that we do need to check on anyway, uh, day by day, as you never know how these things will will turn out. A um, bunch of, uh, well, actually not a bunch, a couple of Mariners notes. Mike Zunino has been placed on the 10-day disabled list with a bruised ankle. And Mitch Haneker was a scratch from last night's game with a bruised right knee. Uh, so would imagine Haneker's day-to-day as well. But uh, don't know if we'll uh, we'll be seeing him tonight. The Diamondbacks, uh, yesterday they activated Steven Souza. He was hitless in his return. Seems like that that's happening a lot lately. I'll talk about a player just getting reinstated and They'll go over three or over four. So, you know, probably just my selective memory. Also, and great news for Nando Defino, we talked a lot about Silvino Bracco on the show yesterday. Uh, and he was just recalled yesterday from AAA Reno. And um, Gerard Dyson placed on the 10 day DL with the string right groin. So, bunch of uh, Diamondbacks moves there in the last 24 hours. Uh, just earlier on Friday, the, the Braves placed Max Freed on the 10-day DL with a blister on his left middle finger. He left his start last night early with that blister. wasn't going particularly well for him anyway. And according to Dave O'Brien from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, that the Braves probably will use a, uh, a replacement for Freed, even though the Braves are one of uh, the handful of teams that have a five-game schedule next week. They could theoretically go with the four, uh, four-man four rotation, but uh, apparently that is not how Brian Snitker likes to roll. So he probably will find a replacement for Max Fried. And uh, the two candidates that were mentioned in the Dave O'Brien piece were Luis Gohara, who just uh, recently uh, got called up and pitched really well in relief the other night. Or Colby Allard, excuse me, could make his uh, major league debut. So those are two possibilities. And again, at least a theoretical possibility is just that Max Fried gets skipped. Uh, or not, you know, he's going to get skipped because he's on the DL. But you know what I mean? They're going to just skip that turn altogether and go four man. But apparently that's that's not, uh, I guess that's not likely to happen. According to MLB.com, Tim Anderson uh, has a sore left forearm uh, after getting hit by a pitch yesterday. And we should have an update on Anderson sometime today. Yesterday, the Brewers activated Tyler Saladino, and he did not go hitless. So, so much for my theory that players never get a hit when they come back. Uh, he also stole a base last night. And to make room for Saladino, the Brewers DFA'd Eric Sogard. So, with Orlando Arcia down, I would think Saladino's going to get a fair share of playing time at shortstop. That's where he played last night. Um, I don't know how much they're going to use Brad Miller over there, but uh, I think it's, it's going to be sort of mix and match. Uh, but Saudi, you know, I think it was, has a fair shot in the short term to, to pick up some playing time. And last item here, uh, the Mariners released Ariel Miranda, 
who last season was one of their most used starting pitchers. And uh, so they've released him, and they did so in order for him to be able to go sign with the team in Japan, according to the Seattle Times. So um, he will not be in the uh, the Mariners' plans, will not be uh, coming up anytime soon. Somebody who had been sort of been sort of up and down with the team the last couple of seasons, uh, Ariel Miranda. So go, he'll be going uh, going to Japan. And I said that was last note, so I got one more, and this one's actually really important. Uh, Carlos Carrasco has been activated. Not surprising, but important nonetheless. Carlos Carrasco uh, has been activated by the Indians as he is their scheduled starter tonight versus the Oakland A's and Paul Blackburn. So there you have it. Uh, by the way, we have no lineups out just yet. I'm sure we'll have some very soon, and I'll go over those, those a little bit later on in the show. But we do have one game currently in progress, and that's the Reds and Cubs. Uh, the stars for that one were Tyler Maley and Mike Montgomery. And I apologize because I had this uh, this game up and somehow seemed to have uh lost it so i wanted to give you an update but last i looked it was zero zero and there it is and it is still zero zero after three full innings uh again malia montgomery pitching shutout ball uh for their respective teams so a little bit of a pitcher's duel there at wrigley field so uh you know what i was gonna do a little bit later on in the show but since there wasn't a whole lot of news uh let's uh, get to your twitter questions asap and uh, there are actually a couple that uh, trickled in right before showtime. So <laughs> there are a couple, at least a couple of these I haven't really had a chance to look at. Um, so hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'll, here we go. I'm not going to make any excuses. Uh, anyways, uh, first one here. This is the first couple here. Again, I'm just seeing that for the first time. Uh, at TB12BBGoat, would I drop fam? For Muncie, or uh, I think this is or for uh, Avisael Garcia, definitely not for Garcia. Uh, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, if this is if this is like a ten team league, yes, I am dropping Fam for Muncie. Uh, I think in any format, no matter how shallow or deep, I'm looking for a way to keep both of those players rostered. Uh, by the way and I'm going to double check my memory on this. I think the Cardinals also have, yes, the Cardinals do have a five game schedule next week. So if it's a shallower league, you probably, and it's a weekly league, you probably wouldn't even lose fam with that five game schedule, or at least there's a lesser chance of it. So anyways, making this more complicated than it has to be. I prefer Muncie to fam. So if that's your only way to get Muncie, then yes, I would drop Tommy fam, but, if there's any any possible way that you could drop somebody else, uh, do that. And uh, tweet at me if you've got an alternate scenario that you want me to check out. I'll try to get to it on the show. Uh, if I don't, I'll answer uh, on the Twitter machine. All right, so next one uh, at, eh, boy, I'm going to say K-Strake at uh, K-Strake99. Very sorry if I uh, mispronounced your name, which I think I probably did. Hey, Al, my lineup is loaded with players scheduled for only five games next week while six teams play eight. Do you have any hitter matchups to recommend that would likely be on the waiver wire? So this is precisely what I was talking about uh, before. Um, 
So the uh, teams that are playing uh, eight games are the Brewers, Mets, Phillies, Pirates, Orioles, and Yankees. Again, it's Brewers, Mets, Phillies, Pirates, uh, Orioles, and Yankees. Uh, so in terms of players to pick up for um, for that uh, for that week with the uh, the eight games, I would say, um, and again, this is a tough one to answer without knowing exactly the depth of the league, but um, I would say uh, for uh, the Phillies, Nick Williams, I would look to pick him up because he's somebody who's probably available in a lot of leagues. Uh, he's somebody certainly I would uh, would probably be looking at. Um, you know, frankly, it's, you know, given these teams, I mean, you're looking at the Yankees and, uh, you know, who, <laughs> who's going to be available that you want to pick up uh, from, from the Yankees. And then, you know, likewise, you get the Orioles, you know, who's there, maybe Danny Valencia, if you're talking like 14, 15 team league, I've actually um, in a 15 teamer looked into maybe putting a bid on a uh, bid for Valencia next week. But again, the Orioles options uh, aren't that great. If it's a shallower league, I like Mark Trumbo. I like him just in general as kind of a buy low candidate. So uh, for shallower league, there's somebody maybe that you could pick up uh, with the, with the schedule next week. Uh, and again, going a little bit shallower, Cesar Hernandez with the Phillies. So I think there's, there's a few names to uh, uh, get you going. Uh, hopefully. Uh, so hope that is helpful, uh, even though I uh, had butchered your name earlier. Okay, uh, this one from ND9GoIrish. I think I can crack that code. Uh, Ted Team head-to-head points with uh, max transaction, need one start. And here's the scenario, a little bit complicated here. Uh, use Luis Castillo this Sunday against the Cubs or... Uh, Herman Marquez today against the or tonight against the Mariners, or Jake Odorizzi on Sunday against the Orioles. Luke Weaver is also available on waivers, so only if I use Castillo, I'd like to add Weaver for depth. So there's a lot of moving parts there, but I would just say that um, I'm not feeling that sense of urgency to add Luke Weaver just yet. We'll, I'll talk about them a bit later on when I review the uh, stand-up performances from Thursday. But uh, I'd say out of this group, uh, I would definitely prefer Herman Marquez. And the, the Mariners are a tough matchup, but Marquez has been really good away from Coors Field. I just don't trust Castillo against the Cubs. Uh, Odorizzi would be probably my second choice. Great matchup with the Orioles, but he's been a little bit too inconsistent for me to trust, so Partially just because I like him on the road and partially by default, I'd go with Herman Marquez. So hope that helps you. Uh, go blue, by the way. Uh, from at Northside Nate, I need to drop someone off my roster. Uh, R-O-T-Y. I can't figure out what that stands for. I'm sure it's probably something obvious that I'm just not thinking of. Oh, rest of the year. I'm used to ROS as the abbreviation. All right, so need to drop someone off the roster. Buxton, Kepler, Candelario, Familia, or Rodney. Well, it's a bit situational. Uh, I'd say in the vacuum, uh, I'd probably drop Familia just because I I don't think he's long for the Mets and I don't think he's long for getting saves. And I think that Buxton's, I would be really remiss to... uh, to drop Buxton, I just think he could be a big, big producer 
over the last uh, couple months of the season or more. Uh, so I wouldn't want to do that. And I do like Kepler. So I, I would say, unless it's a situation where you need every last save, uh, drop Familia. And if, if you just really need whatever saves Familia is going to give you from here on out, I'd say drop Kepler, but I'd be really, really reluctant to do that. And uh, all right, uh, move on to the next one here. This is at EJB1893. Uh, he has only Brandon Drury. Uh, I'm not sure I understand the word here, but drop up for Lourdes Guriel. How much playing time will Drury see? I would expect very little. So um, I would go ahead and make that swap because I think uh, Lourdes Guriel is probably going to get uh, much more play time than At least a better chance. So on that note, uh, I've got one more question to get to. Uh, we'll get to that after the break and a whole bunch more coming up. So stick around. I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Back everybody, this is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. We've got uh, one more Twitter question to get to. Yes, it is the Twitter question from Chicago. Uh, we've got a couple of news updates to sneak in here. Maybe a game update. And then uh, we've got some stand-up performances from State of the Down. So we'll keep busy this segment. But first, who wants to go to a 2018 World Series game? Tune into the Fantasy Sports Radio Network between July 8th and July 17th as we'll be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge for your shot to call in with a chance to attend the Fall Classic in person. The number to play is 844-843-6879. One more time, that's 844-843-FNTSY. The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. While 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. Find out how you can help the cause and go to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge from July 8th through July from July 8th on, through July 17th. It's not that hard. One more time. July 8th through July 17th. Call in and win. Okay. Uh, so, like I said, a few odds and ends here to take care of. So let's get to a couple of uh, news updates. I'd mentioned before about the 
Indians activated Carlos Carrasco from the DL. There are a couple of other moves as well. They've DF- DFA George Contos. Was a pretty brief stay in uh, Cleveland for the uh, former San Francisco Giant, San Francisco Giant, and also uh, the Indians acquired James Hoyt, uh, right-handed pitcher from the Astros, in exchange for righty Tommy DeJunius. And Hoyt has been assigned to AAA Columbus. Uh, so that's uh, a wrap on all the uh, Cleveland Indian stuff there. And also, following up on discussion I had with Nando DeFino yesterday, uh, we surmised, and actually Nando came up with this first, we thought, well, based on previous reports, that Garrett Cooper was going to get reinstated yesterday. He was not. Instead, it was um, Marti Prado, who then actually homered last night. Uh, but we thought, okay, well, it's going to be you know Cooper coming up tomorrow with the reliever getting sent back down. So, Nando, if you're listening... You were 100% right, <laughs> uh, although it's not Meyer that's getting sent down, which is uh, who we, we thought it would be. Uh, it's going to be Dylan Peters. So Dylan Peters sent back to AAA New Orleans. Garrett Cooper off the DL, and I don't think we have a Marlins lineup yet, but I'll check on that later on, and we'll see if Garrett Cooper, Garrett Cooper is in that lineup uh, for your Florida Marlins. And then one last piece of news here. Uh, which should produce many other pieces of news to talk about on the show, that the Mariners are going to extend Jerry DePoto's contract. So uh, that's good news for for us, uh, those of us who like to see a lot of trades and transactions. So uh, Jerry DePoto getting a con- contract extension from the Seattle Mariners. All right, so let me get back to the Twitter questions. And actually, while I'm doing this, let me just make absolutely sure that somebody else didn't. Nope. Okay, so no new ones. Uh, so we've just got one left here, and it is from our friend uh, Craig in Chicago, uh, also on, known on uh, Twitter as CW Sox fan. Uh, here's the tweet: Hosmer is awful. This is the worst year for first basemen ever. <laughs> so, like I said, I'm not sure Craig intended that as a question, but since he replied to my call for questions, and that statement does have a question mark on it. Uh, I'm not actually going to answer. I did not research to find out if this is the worst year for first baseman ever. I thought it just might be interesting to go back five years, go back to 2014. And here is the weighted runs created plus for first baseman as a whole uh, over the last five years. So 2014, it was 109. Following year 2015, 113. Then it went back down to 108. Then it went back up to 113 in 2017. And this year, it's 107. So you know how the Giants had their their even-year magic? Uh, I'm trying to remember the player I talked about. I think it was on yesterday's show, the player that's that's had even-year magic. Well, anyway, uh, looks like first basemen have odd-year magic or even-year slumps or something. Because uh, <laughs> this year is not that much worse than the last two even years. A little bit worse. But it's quite a bit worse than the the overall level of production for first baseman in 2015 and in 2017. So on the one hand, yeah, I've talked a lot on this show. I think in, in our industry, we have talked quite a bit as a whole about first base being down this year. But I also, I think it's magnified because last year was so good for first baseman. And you had guys like Yonder Alonso kind of come out of nowhere. 
Uh, you know, you had the the early power surge from Ryan Zimmerman. That was a big story in April, and and you had uh, you know Cody Bellinger coming up and Matt Olson and, and Reese Hoskins. So, you know, it was a bounty for first baseman. And you know, Hoskins hasn't been as good this year. Uh, Olson not quite quite as good. Bellinger not as good. Uh, Alonzo has regressed. So <laughs> those, I, I, you know, part of what's just happened is that. A lot of the the first basemen that made last year such a great year for first basemen aren't as good this year. So that's that's a big that's a big part of it. But yeah, if you compare it, even we don't have to go back to the you know beginning of baseball. Um, it is the worst year in the last five years, but not that much worse than two of the previous four seasons. So I hope that helps. As for Eric Hosmer, yeah, he's not been not been very good. I mean, he's he's part of the problem too. I mean, it's not just the guys who who emerged last year. You know, it's also a lot of the established first basemen that just aren't aren't as good. Um, but that that said, I mean, first of all, Hosmer's not gonna you know probably be a great run producer with the Padres, and I understand you know coming from the Royals, maybe you didn't expect a a big downgrade. But a big part of the drop in Hosmer's value has been in run production. And as far as power and, and uh, you know, all the other things that you'd be looking for in fantasy, he has plenty of time to, to resurrect his season. He's not that far off pace um, in, in terms of uh, the other stats. So uh, I, I, don't, I think it's an overstatement to say Eric Hosmer's been awful. I think he's a bit off pace. And maybe the the run production will come around too once he starts to uh, hit hit for more power and hit for more average. And I and I say when he starts to and not if because I think he will. So all right, well thank thanks to everybody for all the most excellent questions, and um, I will probably take some more on Monday. But I did want to be sure to to get your questions today because it's going to be really tight up against the lineup lock. On Monday, I believe it's a. I'm going to double check it here, but I think it's a uh, four o'clock. I'm correct. Yes, a four o'clock first pitch, four o five to be exact. First game of the Yankees Orioles uh, doubleheader. We've also got a Phillies Mets doubleheader that starts five minutes later. Uh, so that your lineup block is going to be right as this show is ending on Monday. So I'll. I'll ask for questions then just in case, but you know, this may have been your best opportunity to not only ask a question to get an answer, but actually have some time to respond to it. So, uh, but I, I'll uh, try again on Monday. All right. Well, let's go back to Thursday. Uh, again, a relatively small slate of games, but just the Marlins and the Nationals alone <laughs> provided plenty of offense for uh, all the teams involved. Uh, 14 to 12 was the final there. The Marlins jumped out in front nine, nothing. And it was pretty fun just to watch on social media, people's reactions to this. Cause of course the nationals have been really had been really slumping, uh, of late. And I don't know that the one game, you know, changes it that I should have necessarily changed the verb tense there from have been, uh, to had been, but, uh, yeah, they got down early nine, nothing. And then uh, in the fifth inning, started to turn things around, knocked Pablo Lopez out of the game. And then Adam Conley came in and was just horrific and could not find the strike zone. And then when he did, uh, Trey Turner took him deep uh, for a grand slam. And that was actually Turner's second homer of the game. Uh, So 
Trey Turner now up to 11 home runs on the season. Uh, and you know, big, big game for him. Like I said, hit a grand slam, but overall had eight RBI out of the leadoff spot uh, for the Washington Nationals yesterday. But, you know, when, when it's uh, a 14 to 12 game, it's not just one player, obviously. Uh, that's that's notable. Uh, the, the pitchers, for one thing, are, are notable in a bad way. Um, but <laughs> uh, we'll focus on the hitters here. Actually, I will just mention real quickly, Jeremy Helkson. Uh, I asked Nando yesterday on the show if he thought I should start him yesterday. And uh, Nando said, no way. Uh, and then we talked about some differences in, in philosophy that Nando and I have uh, about starting established pitchers like Helixson who have had good stretches. But Helixson coming back from the DL wasn't particularly sharp in the first start back and, and obviously just got clobbered by the Marlins on uh, on Thursday. Unfortunately, while I did not stream Helixson in one daily lineup league, I did stream him in in my uh, Atnu league. And uh, unfortunately, pretty much neutralized the performance it got from Trey Turner uh, in that league. So uh, the the Nationals uh, took it, and Nationals gave away. But yeah, bad start for Helixson. Uh Nine runs, eight earned in four innings. So yeah, I'll be staying away from Helixson for a while now. Not sure if maybe he's just not fully 100%. Uh, that, yeah, by the way, fully 100% is the only way to be 100%. But let's focus on a couple of hitters in this game. Matt Adams. I mentioned him really offhandedly on the show yesterday because I talked about uh, a totally wonky, geeky search that I did looking at Woba uh, on pitches that are in the strike zone versus Woba on pitches that are out of the strike zone. And one of the things I noted was that it seemed like the leaderboard for Woba on pitches in the zone was a little bit more, maybe I would say reliable or predictable than uh, the one for pitches out of the zone, because that definitely seemed to favor hitters who were just very selective, but not necessarily the best of the best hitters. Whereas the, the, the production is measured by Woba for pitches in the strike zone. It was a who's who of, you know, every other leaderboard, except <laughs> except that the leader at the very top by a big margin is Matt Adams and Adams went four for five yesterday. So he padded his lead, uh, went four for five with a double. That's his eighth double of the year. And so his Woba in the zone now or on pitches that are in the zone is 489. And in second place, like I said, the, the, the leaderboard is like a leaderboard for a whole bunch of other categories. Second place is Mike Trout. At 467. So Matt Adams has compiled a 22-point WOBA lead on Mike Trout in this category. That's just wild to me. And, you know, to me, that's given the the other company that Matt Adams is keeping on that leaderboard, I'm going to be rooting for him to keep getting some playing time. But that's a a very dicey situation right now. Uh, But I think it's going to be hard for Davey Martinez to, to keep his bat out of the lineup, at least against righties. So uh, we'll see uh, see what happens there for Matt Adams. But I think it's definitely, you know, something that, that we need to keep track of uh, in terms of his playing time and just his, his uh, general uh, general progress. And then one more uh, hitter from that game on the Marlins side, because even though the Marlins, they blew this huge lead and uh, just added to pretty much a season of misery, uh, there was a bright spot here that Justin Bohr uh, went two for four with his uh, 14th home run of the season. He also walked to reach a third time. 
And Borg, you, you could probably include among that list of first basemen who have been disappointing. Uh, but, you know, looking a little bit closer at his total stat profile, he's kind of got the same problem that Todd Frazier had last year. And I probably I haven't talked about this in a while. So um, you may not necessarily know what I'm talking about here. But Todd Frazier last year, it was a really off season for him, a really down season. But in terms of the amount of power that he generated when he made contact, it was it was really good. In fact, I think it was a rebound season for him in that regard. But uh, he didn't swing enough. <laughs> he just he let a lot of pitches, particularly in the strike zone, just just go by him. And that's what's happening with Justin Bohr. His overall swing rate last year was a pretty normal 45%. That's actually, I think, a little higher than normal, but pretty much in the normal range. This year, it's very low, 39%. And while that cuts across both uh, being more patient and selective and not swinging at pitches out of the zone as often, which was not a big problem for Bohr in the first place, but he's got a very low swing rate on pitches that are in the strike zone. So he's batting just 238. Uh, in terms of power, I mean, he's got 14 home runs now. Uh, so it's not a bad pace at all, but it could be better if maybe he were a little bit more aggressive. Uh, maybe that batting average would come up too. So maybe a buy low there, but that that would count on Bohr swinging the bat more. And the thought, the thing I expected to find in the search was that Bohr wasn't getting pitched to as much. Uh, that he was getting more pitches out of the zone. That is true, but the degree to which that is true is much less than the, the degree to which that he is swinging less. So, yeah, as you would expect, Bohr's not getting as many good pitches to hit with a, a lesser Marlins lineup surrounding him, but the difference is really minimal in that regard. So, yeah, maybe maybe you take a flyer on, on Justin Bohr and wait for him to come around to the second half. Uh, Jonathan Scope, hopefully he comes around. I mean, there's just been a funk that has pervaded the Orioles lineup outside of uh, Manny Machado. But Scope had a two-homer game against the Twins. And uh, over his last three games, the previous two coming against the Phillies, Scope's 5 for 12, uh, also a double thrown in there with those two home runs. So maybe a sign of a turnaround. But uh, the eight games, excuse me, the eight games previous to the last three, he was in a two for 27 slump. Although he struck out only five times. So it wasn't that that's a mildly reassuring stat because it's not like he was not getting hits because he wasn't uh, because he was striking out too much. He was just hitting into outs, which is you'd rather see that to be sure. Uh, Jed Jerko not hitting into too many outs uh, against the Giants, went three for five with his seventh home run and 10th double of the year. He also walked and he's been getting some regular uh, playing time lately uh, in a sort of super utility role. Um, and actually the the guy who's been sort of the odd man out in a couple of those games is Jose Martinez, which is a, a bit surprising. But, uh, you know, we'll see uh, if Jerko can keep his bat in the lineup, uh, you know, building, building on a good stretch with a, a three-hit game and a couple of uh, extra base hits. And Harrison Bader, same deal. Now, uh, Dexter Fowler, back from paternity leave, but Bader's sitting a lot better than Fowler has been. Uh, Three-hit game for Bader with his sixth home run and his sixth double uh, in that game against the Giants. So a whole bunch more of notable performances to go over and a whole bunch more to look into next week. All of that is coming right up 
Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh, old dude from Sticks. That are not my favorite. Uh, so, uh, anyways, as promised, uh, we've got some lineups in. We'll take a look at that. Maybe there'll be a, uh, Garrett Cooper update in there somewhere. Uh, Howard, before we get to that and a whole bunch more, if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget about having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you want to, or, and if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY. You can elect an option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. No more dealing with late lineup scratches. No experts to compete against. It's just you and the prop that you choose. So go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the props builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So, uh, yes, lineups galore, uh, although many of them not really with any, uh, you know, kind of unusual changes. So I'll just hit the few, uh, in fact, just a couple here that are really worth uh, looking at here. So we do have the uh, Marlins and Nationals lineups in. That's a, a 7 to 5 Eastern start at Nationals Park. Dan Straley and Gio Gonzalez towing the slab. And yes, we do have a Garrett Cooper sighting. He is batting sixth for the Marlins, playing left field. Uh, we've got uh, the Nationals lineup too, but nothing really uh, of note there. Uh, you know, other than Spencer Keebaum is the uh, the catcher tonight. Uh, but yeah, nothing. Oh, actually, I should mention because uh, we've seen some back and forth with Adam Eaton and uh, Michael Taylor in the lineup. It's an Adam Eaton night. He's batting sixth. And playing right field. Uh, Phillies lineup is out, but not much really to mention there. We have uh, Yankees and Blue Jays. So uh, it's another uh, night with Neil Walker at second base, batting ninth. And uh, for the Blue Jays, by the way, this is uh, Sonny Gray and Sam Gaviglio. And I got the question earlier about Lourdes Gurriel and whether or not he was going to be uh, more useful for playing time as compared to Brandon Drury. Well, neither Drury nor Guriel are on their team's lineups tonight. Uh, so uh, Guriel been kind of flopping back and forth between second and short. So you got to let Ms. Diaz getting started short, batting eighth, and Devin Travis at second, batting ninth. 
Uh, and we've got a whole bunch of other lines, but nothing really, uh, nothing really worth mentioning. So I'm going to move on to the weather, and there's nothing worth mentioning there either because there is no serious chance of precipitation for first pitch, for an hour after first pitch, for two hours after per- first pitch, for three hours after first pitch tonight. Sunshine everywhere that there's a game being played outdoors. So don't sweat that uh, as far as setting your lineups for tonight. You can just go ahead and set them. Set them and forget them. All right, so uh, a few more um, player performances from Thursday to go over, and I'll make sure to leave some time to talk about two-star pitchers, as I said at the outset of the show. There's a whole bunch of them that I think are really intriguing. Uh, more in good ways than bad, but but some of both. But uh, get back to a couple more hitters with uh, standout performances from Thursday. Aaron Perez with a big game. He went three for four with his fifth homer and his first triple of the year uh, against the Atlanta Braves. And Isaiah Kainer-Falefa, this one has totally escaped me. And it's more interesting than it is fantasy impactful, but I'll mention it anyway. And maybe, you know, in a deeper league, maybe AL only league, this is something that actually could help you out. Uh First of all, the lesser part of the news that Kiner Falefa had a two-hit game against the Tigers on Thursday, but he started the game a catcher. I did not realize this was a thing. Uh, so those of you who watch the Rangers frequently know that I've, I've been out to lunch on this, but <laughs> he now has five starts a catcher, which makes him eligible in a whole bunch of leagues. So just, you know, something to think about. Or maybe if you are in an AL-only league and you've got Kiner Falefa, you can plug him in a catcher now. So that's pretty cool. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to the pitchers here. Luke Weaver with the big, big game last night. Uh, eight innings, two runs uh, with seven Ks, no walks, just two hits uh, against the Giants. And according to the, uh, the, the the post-game account on MLB.com, Weaver says that he found a mechanical flaw between uh, the last start and, and this one. And uh, he you know, reasonably uh, and expectedly was very frustrated with his recent performance. But he thinks he found a flaw, and if he did, then we certainly saw the uh, the fruits of that against the Giants. But as I said earlier in the show, I'm skeptical. Uh, it's one start. In fact, Nando and I talked on Thursday's show about, you know, how two starts back-to-back uh, in a certain trend can be very misleading. So with the one start, even with a, a an explanation provided to us by Luke Weaver himself, I'd rather wait and see. Uh, but if the next one's good, Obviously, uh, I'll have a lot more interest there. Marco Gonzalez with another good start. He's he's had a, a lengthy stretch of, of good starts here, or mostly good starts, uh, against the Angels, which, granted, looked going in to be a pretty favorable matchup for him, both in terms of venue and in terms of the Angels being a team that don't hit lefties very well. Uh, he went six innings, gave up a run on five hits and two walks, got seven Ks, and now over his last 10 starts combined, Marco Gonzalez has a 2.60 ERA. And the only two starts in that 10-start stretch where he has allowed more than three earned runs uh, are road starts at the Yankees and at the Red Sox. And uh, oddly enough, I think the one start where he actually gave up exactly three earned runs because the other seven were all two, one, or zero earned runs was against the Angels. Uh, But also I had a a listener of the show point this out to me. And I, you know, just like the uh, Isaiah kinder fluffle thing uh with him catching and that that eluded me uh here's a a a trend that i i wish i picked up on earlier but i hadn't 
nine of 10 of the 10 home runs that Gonzalez has allowed this season have come on the road. So he likes, he likes pitching at Safeco Field, which does lean pitcher friendly. But that also kind of jives with his recent game log that he had those two bad starts at Yankee Stadium, at Fenway Park, uh, you know, tough opponents, uh, tough venues, especially Yankee Stadium. So you know, obviously you do have to take both the opponent and the venue into account with Marco Gonzalez. But hey, you know, roughly half of his starts are going to be in a favorable venue. So just uh, something to keep in mind there. And Alicia Seen, this this show is, is just one thing after another that I've slept on. I know that Shasin has gone well lately. I have to admit, I didn't know exactly how well and for how long. But uh, uh, what maybe his best start in a very long time against the Braves, uh, going seven innings, giving up two runs on three hits and a walk with seven Ks, and a very impressive count of 14 swings and misses and 23 called strikes for Ulysses Shasin. So a, pretty much a dominant start against the Braves for him. But since his first start in May, I'm not talking June. I'm talking, go, let's go back two months to the 5th of May. Since then, Shasin has a 3.20 ERA. He has pitched 70 in the third innings, 63 strikeouts. So good, but not great in terms of the strikeout rate. 27 walks, not very good. Okay, so there's there's the blemish on the record. But only three home runs allowed and only a 217 batting average allowed for Yuli Shasin. Now, that still looks like overperformance to me, but he has been pretty good at getting both, uh, not as good as on, on Thursday, but generally has been pretty good and consistent in getting swinging and called strikes. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't buy the overall numbers, but I buy enough of it that I'm very interested in him with a two-start week at Miami at Pittsburgh. That looks nice for Yuli Shasin. Uh, we'll get back to some more two-star pitchers in a couple minutes. But let me get through a few more games from yesterday. Aaron Slager's, uh, I believe it was his first major league win uh, last night, certainly his first win of the season, when, uh, went six innings, only giving up a run on three hits and a walk against the Orioles. Only got two strikeouts. No surprise there. Slager's uh, very, very low strikeout rates in the minor leagues. So don't expect that to translate to something much better. Uh, or better at all in the major leagues. Also not clear how long Slagers will last in the Twins rotation because Irvin Santana should be back soon, but probably earned himself another start with that one. Carlos Rodon, uh, in a sense, he kept pace with Justin Verlander. Only gave up two runs over six innings against the Astros, but he walked six batters. And this is the thing with Rodon. is just on-again, off-again control issues for him. And his keeping pace with Verlander kind of for naught because uh, Joaquim Soria came in the ninth inning and blew the save. And as I wrote about in this morning's uh, Rotographs uh, bullpen report, while the surface results for Soria have been very good lately, he's not getting many swings on pitches out of the zone. That's a little worrisome. Uh, it's not a particularly long streak, but again, something to monitor because uh, if that persists, he could could find himself in some more trouble down the road. Uh, Eric Lauer with a, 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 an okay start against the, the Diamondbacks. Only two strikeouts, but only one run in five innings. Seven hits, two walks. Uh, and we'll talk about him in a bit because he's a two-star pitcher for next week. And opposing him, Shelby Miller. Not a very good start, but his best start so far 
uh, out of three starts that's coming back. Five in the third innings, uh, five runs, but only three earned and seven Ks. Padres, too. Maybe that has a little something to do with it being his best start with the Padres matchup. And then finally, Johnny Cueto, uh, his first start back, uh, just activated yesterday, uh, coming off of the elbow sprain. Did not go well at all. Five runs and five innings on 10 hits and two walks, just two strikeouts. So it looks like uh, if you can't avoid Cueto for now until he gets back into form, uh, you should avoid him. So uh, let's get to the two-star pitchers. And a couple of interesting ones, not pitchers that you're going to probably be able to pick up except in a super, super shallow league. And actually, that's probably not even the case with Patrick Corbin. The other one being Kyle Hendricks. Maybe you got a shot at getting him in a shallow league. But pretty much this is just a start-sit decision for his current owners. Corbin's got the Rockies at Coors Field. So say no more. That's that's the dilemma. And then he does get a second start against the Braves at SunTrust Park, which has proven not to be quite as hitter-friendly so far this year as it was last year, for whatever that's worth. But I'd be inclined to roll with Corbin. Even with the continued diminished velocity, he continues to get the job done. And part of the way he's getting the job done is by not allowing very much hard fly ball contact. So I think that should limit the damage enough at Coors Field that he'll get by with this two-start week. It's I'd have to look pretty hard to find a reason to sit Patrick Corbin, especially with two starts. And uh, I think there's, there's enough reassurance there with the uh, average fly ball distance and average exit velocity on fly balls that you can you can start Corbin. As for Kyle Hendricks, I've said repeatedly in recent weeks that I'm not starting him. I'm going to be rethinking that because he's got the Giants at AT&T Park, AT&T Park and the Padres at Petco, uh, Petco Park. So um, certainly I'm, I'm not totally trustworthy of Hendricks against the Giants, even with good venue. But the thing that's really hurt him has been home runs. So maybe he'll be fine for that start. I'm pretty sure he's going to be fine against the Padres. So I'm probably going to start Hendricks. I still think it's a situation where you compare those two starts against what your alternatives will give you, including some one-start options. Uh, But I would almost assuredly be using Kyle Hendricks next week. Uh, Tyler Anderson and Chase Anderson discussed them both on yesterday's show both off of good starts, both off of good extended runs. And uh, the matchups actually favor Chase Anderson a bit. He's got the Marlins in Miami and the Pirates in Pittsburgh. Same matchups as uh, Elisha Seed that we just talked about. So if I like him for Elisha Seed, I definitely like him for Chase Anderson. So if he's out there in your league, and again, it's probably going to be a shallower league, but if he's out there, definitely get him. And Tyler Anderson, he's got the uh, he's got two starts of cores, which makes it a little less desirable. But I will try to pick him up. Even so, he's got the Diamondbacks and the Mariners. I, I just like what Anderson is doing lately, home or away. Uh, Jose Arrania, he's got two start week, uh, both at home, which is very helpful uh, against the Brewers and the Phillies. Uh, I certainly like him too. Now, I'm not gonna have room for all these guys, but. I'll have a lot of contingent bids out there because I'd certainly be interested in either Anderson or Urania or, for that matter, Zach Wheeler uh, with two home starts, Phillies and Nationals. And then let's get to Eric Lauer, who I mentioned earlier about his uh, decent start last night. He's got two home starts, so that's great for Eric Lauer. Uh, There gets the Dodgers and the Cubs. Matchups, not so great. But over his last seven starts, 
He has uh, a 263 ERA and has allowed a 141 ISO, which is pretty good. It's not eye-popping or anything, but it's pretty good, and it's probably the thing he's doing the best is avoiding hard contact. So with a couple of home starts, uh, he's certainly, for me, a cup below uh, the Andersons and Urania and Wheeler. But uh, yeah, I'd probably toss it a contingent bid there, and, and certainly in a 15-team league. Uh, and Jeffrey Ramirez, who's been a recent addition to the Orioles rotation, has looked really good in uh, limited time. He's had two starts and then a, I think it was a five-inning relief appearance. And of this is very, very small sample theater here, but um, Jeffrey Ramirez leads all pitchers with at least 25 batted balls in terms of uh, lowest exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. So he is, you know, inducing all kinds of soft contact so far, but not relying on that. He's got a 12.2% whiff rate and good numbers in the minors. So consider him in some deeper leagues. And I'll wrap this up with three starters that I imagine people will be really interested in, and I am just completely avoiding. And one is Mike Miner uh, because he's got he starts off at Boston. I think that could be really bad, as I've talked about, uh, including on yesterday's show, but I've talked about it numerous times recently. Uh, Miner's overall results good. The peripherals, not that great. So uh, at Boston, at Baltimore, I'm passing. Uh, Chris Bassett at Houston, at San Francisco, same sort of thing. Not great peripherals, good overall results. I'm trusting the peripherals, and I'm also scared of the Astros in that one. And Mike Leak at the Angels, I think he'd be, he could be okay in that one, but I do not trust the contact-friendly Mike Leak at Coors Field against the Rockies. No, thank you. So on that note, uh, that's it. That's it. So good luck this weekend. Uh, if you got questions, tweet at me. Uh, if you've got uh, questions come Monday, I'll even answer those on the air. And I uh, hope you have a great weekend and a great time watching some baseball tonight. So have a good one, everybody. Take care. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24... 24-